Welcome to Connection Church's podcast. This week, Brandon Williams concludes the series, The Date, at our special Christmas Eve service. The birth of Christ was such an incredible display of God's love for us. The Bible explains that Jesus is the express image of God. But so often, we think God is out to get us instead of wanting to deliver us. Listen as Brandon expresses God's love for us. Well, we're going to continue tonight our uh, two-part series. This will be the last message in this series. We started it last Sunday. Um, it's entitled The Date. And so we're, we're uh, looking at this anticipation that we always have coming up to Christmas. And we've seen all these dates um, in the past that were, um, that were just big anticipation dates. And of course, in our opinion, the greatest date there's ever been was the day that Jesus came to earth. And so we're going to be in the first chapter of the Gospel of John today. We're going to read uh, just a moment. We're going to read verses 1 through 20. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn there and we're going to jump in and uh, just get into the Word of God tonight. John chapter 1, verse 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and through him the world was made through him. The world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. Now this was John's testimony when the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Christ. Let's pray. God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you for each person here tonight. I thank you that this is a divine appointment for us. Lord, I pray that you would bless this word to our our hearts, that we find good soil there and produce incredible fruit in our lives as we hear it. Just anoint it with the power of your Holy Spirit. We love you, God. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. What I want to look at tonight is this thought of a collision. I'm, I'm sure most of us who've been around any length of time have seen a collision take place. I remember one time I was sitting up at, uh, on Zetterar, and I was sitting at a stop sign. There was a guy in front of me, and I'm just sitting there kind of daydreaming, um, waiting on him to go so I could take my turn at the stop sign and then be on my way. And he begins to roll out uh, across Zetterar Avenue, and all of a sudden, bam! 
I mean, it's, out of, it's like out of nowhere. I mean, I didn't see it coming, and it just it, it woke me up, and, and, and this car had come through, and I mean, smashed this other car. Glass flew up. Thankfully, everybody was okay, but we've all seen these collisions, and you know, the funny thing about collisions is very seldom do two things collide and something is made better, right? Usually when two things collide, things destruct. It, it's not good. Things fall apart. Things are damaged. Um, just like you've never seen a Chevrolet truck and a Chevrolet car collide and it create an El Camino. You know what I'm saying? It's like that, that didn't happen. Somebody actually had to design that thing and make that thing up. And, and so that's, that's never happened before where, where those two things collided. You got something um, that would be debatably better than what you started with, right? But if you think about it, there are times when in the hands of the right person or with, some in, with, with intention or, or, or with some guidance, two things can collide and make a product that's better than what you originally had. Think about this. In the hands of a master carpenter, a hammer and a nail can produce something that, that's so much better than what you started with, right? Um, if you think about, um, we pay millions of dollars a year to go watch, two, watch guys in tight pants, right? run around and collide with each other, right? And we pay millions of dollars to see it. We pay millions of dollars to go watch a guy, a professional baseball player, who can make his bat collide with a 95-mile-an-hour fastball and hit it 400 feet. It amazes us. So there are times when things collide and it produces a better product than what you started with. Think about this. Sometimes your belt collides with your child's rear end, right? Don't act like you never spanked your child, like I'm the only one. We, you know, or your kids don't, don't get in trouble. But here's the deal. In the right circumstance, in the right context, that produces a better product than what you started with. Now think about this. On Christmas Day, when Jesus was born, this baby born in a manger, as we saw displayed before us earlier, one of the greatest things that's ever happened took place. God, the God of the universe, who's perfect and holy, collided with the sinfulness of man. That's absolutely incredible that we serve a God who would come and, and this collision took place of God's perfection and his love over sinful humanity. And we, in our lost state, we receive this blessing of God, as the Bible says in chapter 1 of John, this blessing that we've all received through Christ. And this collision happened. God's perfection with our messiness. God's perfection with our sin. And this began to take place. Isn't it awesome to think about the fact that there was such an amazing collision that even the heavens responded? Isn't that awesome? You think about this. that the heaven, Jesus is born, the stars responded. The angels responded. It was absolutely incredible that we serve a God who responded to our need. And when he responded to us, it shook the world. It turned the world upside down. When Jesus came, he shook the foundations of everything we would have ever known because he was God in the flesh. That's worth getting excited about, right? That's better than having like the best present that you could possibly think of under the tree. I don't know what you wanted for, for Christmas, but even if you wake up in the morning and that present's there, Jesus is better than the best present you could ever possibly have because this is what Jesus did for us. He came and he saved us. He died for our sins. Upon the cross, he took our sin. He shed perfect, innocent blood for us. He took the, 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 the punishment and the anger of God that we should have taken because we, all of us, are sinful human beings. And yet Jesus died for us. That's the greatest gift we'll ever have. Listen, the date, December 25th, is about God's collision with mankind. 
Now you think about that because our mindset so much in church is this, that if God were to collide with me right now, I would get smoked. How many of you would say that? I deserve that if, if God stepped up to me right now, that he would just put the smack down on me. Just bam, knock me down. And we come to God with that mentality so much. But is it not crazy that God could have come as a tyrant? God could have come as a great military leader, but he comes in the gentleness and the humbleness of a child. And he comes to demonstrate to us once and for all his love. And this collision can teach us so many things. And real quickly tonight, I know you've got things to do, but I'm going to ask you for about the next 20, 25 minutes that we would focus on this and that we would begin to see exactly what we can learn from this collision. Man, I've been so excited about this today, and I, I, I pray that God moves in this time in an awesome way, and that each one of us walk out of here tonight filled with the hope and the love and the grace and the joy of Jesus Christ. But I want to share with you just a few things about what we learn from this collision. The first one is this, that God is in relentless pursuit of his creation. Listen to this, in verse uh, 1 and 2, in verse 14 in John, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, he was with God in the beginning. And then in verse 14, it says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. How many of you have ever wanted something so badly that you'd do anything to get it? See, some of you need to raise your hand that didn't raise your hand because I know you and some of you did time because you wanted it so badly you did anything to get it, right? And, and so here's the deal. We've all done that. How many of you, when you started dating your wife, you would do anything to have her? When you were courting your wife, you do anything to have her. And some of you know right now you pray that there are some notes that disappear because you wrote things that you don't ever want anybody else to read. You're praying that there were some things you said that nobody else ever repeats because you said them because you were, you were in pursuit, man. This girl, this guy was on your mind and you, you said things, you did things that you would just think, I, I hope I never have to relive that again. Not that it's not good to be romantic, but you were just downright sappy, right? Because you do anything to win her heart. I think about when Susan and I were dating, man, it came around our first anniversary, March 16th of like, 1940, I don't know, it was a long time ago. But it was a long time ago, our first little dating anniversary. And see, when you're, you're young and you're dating, you remember all those things, right? And guys, if you forgot that, oh my gosh, it was a bad day if you forgot the dating anniversary because you started out with like the one week anniversary. Then you went to the one month anniversary and finally you got around to the one year dating anniversary. Well, ours was March 16th. And, and so it came around for that first year and I wanted to just show her how much I loved her. And we had gone and we had seen Joe versus the Volcano, first movie we ever saw. It was so bad. We had two movie theaters here in Statesboro. When I say movie theaters, I don't mean like separate, the I mean like two movies you could go see every week. We, we were so relentless in our pursuit for each other that we went and saw Joe versus the Volcano like eight times. It was crazy. I mean, somewhere, I don't even know how many times we saw it. It was that bad. I mean, we just would go and we'd just sit there and hold each other's hand and look at the screen. You know, and, and we would go. And then I remember when the, the first anniversary rolled around, I went and I rented Joe versus the volcano. You know, you know, you're in pursuit whenever you're willing to rent Joe versus the volcano. Right. And, and, and so we go and rent it, man. I got this little plaque and the plaque said, I still remember it to this day. It said, take my hand. I'll help you stand. And we will walk together. Oh, how awesome is that? I mean, I was like, I was, man, I was like Casanova, baby. I was, I was laying it on thick. 
It was good. And, 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 you know, and the thing was, I was all nervous about it. But pretty soon, word got around. And all the girls were like, that is so sweet. And all the guys were like, man, you're an idiot. But I would have done anything. I was in, I was in hot pursuit, man. I was, in, I was falling in love. And at the age of 13, I was like, oh, my gosh. You know, I found the one, right? And, uh, but I was in pursuit. And, and when you want something so badly, you'll do almost anything almost anything to get it. And that's what Jesus did for us. Think about this. The Bible is very clear that his dwelling was in heaven. He was with God. He was God. And he was so passionate about pursuing us that he left all of that behind and came to earth. Is that not wild? That he would leave the throne of God and come to you and I? Anybody feel like you're worthy of that? No. You know the only reason we're worthy of that? because he said so. And God loves you and he loves me enough that he left heaven and he came to earth for us. He left that, all of that behind and came to us. Jesus was and is the passionate pursuit of God for you and I. He is passionately pursuing us even to this day. Listen to this. Jesus, number two is this. Jesus built a bridge over the chasm between our heavenly father and mankind. Listen to verses 15 and 16. John testifies concerning him. He cries out saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have all, all, all received one blessing after another. The greatest blessing of God is the fact that you and I get to have a relationship with the God of the universe. Does that not just blow you away that you think about that? That the God who created everything and holds it in his hands walk out tonight on a clear night before the clouds roll in, hopefully, and look up at the stars and understand that the one who created that, the one who holds it all together, the one who who made it all and it was made through him, he's the one that loves you. That is the greatest blessing that you can be in relationship with that God. He built a bridge. Jesus Christ built a bridge between you and I and our heavenly father. The other day, this has actually been probably a few months ago now, I walked up uh, to the, the fair road and I walked over to 180 Fitness where I go and watch TV and, and hope pounds fall off. Um, they don't seem to do that. Um, but I went and I, and I was working out and I realized that the back door of the gym was open and I thought, listen, this is what I'll do. I'm just going to walk out the back door, cut through the woods, man. I will save so much exercise, right? Because I went to the, yeah, I don't know, we drive like miles to get to the gym. That makes absolutely no sense. We could just walk around our neighborhood. But anyway, it's good for business, right? And, uh, and so here's the deal. I walked out the back door and I'm walking and everything was cool until I got to this huge ditch. And I don't know if y'all have ever noticed this ditch that runs through here, but it's like the Grand Canyon, man. It's, I'm like, why do we need a ditch that big in Statesboro, Georgia? But I get to that ditch and, and if the water's really low, if it hasn't rained in a while, you can kind of slide. You know how you can kind of slide down a hill? You can get down to the bottom and you can kind of step over it, jump over it, whatever. But it had rained and man, this thing was pretty high. And I'm walking back and forth up along the side of this ditch. And I'm like, I'm going to find me a way to get across this thing somewhere and I'm walking all the way up and down up and down there were some places where it was a little narrower and there were some places where it was wider and and I had this thought that in my mind I was like if I get a running start 
if I get a running start, I can make it. I know I can make it. I know I can. And then it dawned on me that I'm like five foot 10 white and about 15 pounds overweight. And I was like, I can't jump that ditch, right? I'm not going to make it. There's no way. And so I ended up having to walk back up to the road, walk all that way um, after my incredible workout. And, and I, and I had to come back here and I, but I had to go all the way around. And I was thinking about that experience and I was thinking, you know, that's exactly how we are with God apart from Christ. See, some of you have been really bad, right? Some of you have been really bad. Some of you, maybe you haven't been as bad. But you know, it doesn't matter if that ditch is narrow or if it's wide. We're all still separated from God because of sin. We're all far from God. And, and there's no hope that you and I can jump across that ditch, that chasm that separates us from Jesus, from God. So Jesus comes and he builds this bridge across this chasm that you and I can never make it across on our own. And the wood that he built that bridge with was the wood of a cross. He went and he hung on a cross and he died for you and I and he shed his blood for us so that you and I could make it across this chasm that our sin had created. Isn't that an awesome God that would die for us, that would go to a cross that the Bible says if everything was made through him, he made it himself. That's like digging your own grave. And yet he went to the cross for us so that we could know our heavenly father, that we could see the love of God through him dying on a cross. That's an awesome God that made a way for us to come to our, our Father in heaven when there was no other way. He bridged that gap that you and I had created through our sin. That's an awesome God. And see, when God collided with mankind, that's what happened. He built this bridge so you and I could come to know Him. Listen to this. The third thing is this that God's collision with man meant God's victory over darkness. Listen to verse 9. It says, The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. What happens when you walk into a room and it's dark and you flip on the light switch? Unless it's like my house and most of the light bulbs are burnt out and then the light comes on. The light comes on and what happens to the darkness? It flees, it leaves. Darkness cannot stand in, in, in the light. And when you cut that light on, the darkness takes off. And see, this is what happened. The Bible says that the light of God came into the world. Jesus, the light to all men, came into the world and darkness had to flee. I remember when I was in college, I worked at a baseball camp at Georgia Southern one summer. I stayed in the dorms. Every night, we would rent one of those UFC fighting challenge things. You know, the ultimate fighting challenge. This was when they were old school, like way back when, when Hoist Gracie was beating everybody up. Some of y'all remember Hoist Gracie, like 170 pounds and whipped everybody. Yeah, well, I was watching. We would eat an entire Papa John's pizza every night, like one a piece, like a large Papa John pizza a piece. If I did that now, I'd look like Jabba the Hutt. But back then, I could do that. And, and we'd just eat it, and we'd watch Ultimate Fighting Challenge after we thought the kids were in bed, but they were all sneaking out the windows and doing whatever they wanted to do. And, and we'd watch it. And I remember one night, there was this guy, and he must have weighed 350 pounds. I mean, he looked like, like Goliath, man. I mean, he was huge. And he's standing there, and there's this other little guy. I mean, he looked like he was about my size, except in a lot better shape. And he's standing there, and the guy's just sitting there looking down on this guy. I'm like, that little guy's about to get killed. That little guy's about to get whipped. 
And the guy comes up and he says whatever he says, let's get it on, let's fight, whatever it was at that time. And he backs up. And the first thing that happens is that little dude steps up, smacks him right in the chin or the nose. I don't know where he hit him, but it must have been the magic place because this big dude just went stumbling back, hits the deck, and that little guy jumped on him. He was like white on rice, man. I mean, he was wearing this guy out beat him to a pulp. And I was thinking about that. You know, here's the crazy thing about it. But I know when the devil was sending Jesus to the cross, I know when, when Jesus said, listen, I'm going to the cross for you. I'm going, I'm going to die for you. Don't you know the devil was getting a good laugh out of that? Don't you know that he thought I've got them whipped when the son of God was about to die? But see, here's the good news. That light that came into the world, Jesus Christ, he was going to make the darkness flee. This is what happened. He died on that cross for you and I. They put him in a tomb and then three days later, the stone rolled away and he steps out. That was that one of those moments when the devil went, oh crap. Listen, it was as though Jesus stepped up, popped the devil in the mouth and said, I'm taking back what belongs to God. And he came and he took you and I back. I mean, he just popped him in the lip. Isn't that awesome? And he said, you can't have what is mine. And he made the darkness flee so that now you and I are children of light. If we're in Christ, if we've given our life to Jesus, if we've given our life to Christ, when that collision came, And it invaded earth. And that child was born. It was God saying, the darkness is going to flee. It was your victim. See, too many people today walk around being a victim. When God died, he he came to earth so that you could live in victory. You no longer have to walk in darkness and depression. You no longer have to walk in fear and anxiety. You have been bought and paid for by the precious blood of a perfect God. He did that for you. He did that for you. He died for you. And see, in, our, in our, our culture, man, in the South, it's so messed up. I mean, in a lot of ways, but it's really messed up in some ways. And one of those is the culture of our church because this is what I've realized. More people in the church today believe that God would rather kill them than deliver them. That's not the God we serve. The God we serve died so that we could have life. The Bible says that Jesus was the express image of God. If that is the case, then every time I read about Jesus in the New Testament, he was never killing or stealing or destroying. That was what the devil did. Jesus was coming and giving life and healing. He was bringing life to sinners who were separated from God. Anybody perfect in here? I just thought I'd ask. I ask this question all the time because, yeah, I always have the person that raises their hand. But, but... Seriously, anybody perfect? Because I'm, I'm thinking one day we're going to actually have that person that just stands up and like, oh, and they just levitate and hover and they got this glow and, you know, it's just like God is, has come and he's manifested again. And I just think, but here's the deal. None of us are perfect. We've all got issues. My wife's in the back corner back there. If you want, she hides back there because I talk about her a lot. But if you want to ask her, we've all got issues. I've got my issues. You've got your issues. That's why God came and died for us to bridge the gap that our issues have created so that we can come into this holy relationship with a holy God. The greatest thing about Jesus Christ is he loves you so much that he refused to leave you where you are. He came all the way to you so that he could take you all the way back to where he came from. 
I mean, listen, he is the one who changes hearts. He is the one that can deliver you from your addiction. He is the one who can, who can bring your marriage back together. And, and listen, the problem is, it's just like John chapter 1 says, he came into the world, the world he created, and we didn't recognize him. Come on, tonight, if anything happens, what better gift could you have tonight? What better gift could you have this Christmas than opening up a relationship with God, opening the present, the best gift that's ever been given, and and beginning to walk with Him, knowing Him and loving Him, and being created to be all that you were made to be to begin with. We can never recognize our full potential until we recognize Jesus Christ. Listen to this. Here's the fourth one. The fourth thing that happened when God collided with man is this. It was, it was God's revelation of himself once and for all to see. Once and for all to see. Listen to verses 16 through 18. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God the one and only who is at the Father's side has made him known. Listen, the only way we can know who God is is when God reveals himself to us. If you want to play hide and go seek with God, you're going to lose that every time, right? I mean, he could be hiding. He could be like, okay, they're going to see me tree, right? I mean, you wouldn't want to play that game with God. Hide and seek, you lose. And so he sends Jesus. He loved us so much. He had been telling all these prophets, all these people for all these years, listen, this is who I am. This is who I am. And they couldn't get it. And I can just see God. He's just scratching his head going, what am I going to do? How am I going to? It's not like he was confused, but he's sitting there going, why don't they get it? And so then he puts on flesh and he comes to us and he demonstrates himself to us and shows us the perfect um, expression of who he is, the perfect expression of his love for us. And he reveals himself to us. It's what I said earlier, Hebrews 1, 3, he's the full expression of God. I remember when I was growing up, I would lay in bed at night, and this is, this is honest truth. I would lay in bed at night, probably when I was 15, 16 years old, and I would lay there and I'd literally break out in a sweat because I would try to figure out creation. Anybody ever done that? How, how dumb is that? Like, we're going to figure that out, right? And so I'm laying there, and I'm like, okay, all right, let's just take this from the evolution standpoint. This is before I was a believer, and, and, and uh, I, I'd say, okay, we got the world. All right, we got, we got nothing but trees, okay? Then we got nothing but water, and we got this stuff floating around in it. And then there was nothing but this swirling mass of gas and, and matter and debris. And then I would always get to that place where I'd have to go, where did it come from? Where did the matter come? Where did the little debris come from? Where did the dust particles come from that if there was a bang and this thing was created, where did all that come from? And I'd start over, and I'd go, okay, let's say that there was God. All right, so there was, there was all these people and all these trees and all these animals. And then there was this ball of, 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 of water and God was creating it all. And then there was nothing. Well, well, where did God come from? And I'd lay there at night and I'd be sweating. And I'd be like, yeah, I can't figure this out. And you know, it used to be a stumbling block for me in my faith. But once I came to recognize Jesus, once I knew in my heart that Jesus was and is who he says he is, then I began to realize there are some things in life, in this world, that I'm just not meant to understand. There are some things that are so much bigger than me that I was just not meant to understand them. Think about this. Do you really want to serve a God you can figure out? No. Then he wouldn't be God. He's so far bigger than us. And I believe that's one reason Jesus had to come is so that we could see who God is. So that we could see who God is. And we can't know God apart from Christ. Listen, 
How many of you are married in here? Raise your hand. Married people? Some of y'all are asleep, so you're not raising your hand. Um, but here's the deal. When you got married, did you learn something about your spouse that you didn't know before you got married? I mean, even if you live together for a while, which if you're doing that, you should stop because it's not good. But even if you live together before you got married, there were still things you found out about your spouse after you got married. For instance, I doubt that on the first date, your, your girlfriend went to the bathroom and then called and asked you to bring her the toilet paper. I just don't think that happened. It probably didn't happen. I mean, there, there are things that you don't, you didn't realize until you got married. And it probably didn't happen on the honeymoon, but sometime after a month or a year, you know, you thought you had married, ladies, you thought you had married a farm animal rather than, than a man, right? But there are things you didn't know until you came into that intimate relationship with your husband, that place that's reserved for marriage, that place that's reserved for that covenant that God gave us, Right? And here's the awesome thing about it. There's things we can't know about God until we look to Christ. There's an intimacy we can't reach with God until we come to this place of accepting Jesus into our life, accepting this gift that God's given us. And my heart tonight is that maybe some of us in here would make a decision that that's what I need, that I need this intimate relationship with God because now I realize I can't know him apart from Christ. I can't recognize him apart from Christ. I can't have the intimacy that God desires to have with me apart from Jesus. So my prayer is that tonight, maybe some of us have drifted far from God. Maybe some of us have never been close to God. And maybe tonight we would rekindle for the, the, the second time, the third, I don't know, maybe you've drifted. But, or, or maybe for the first time you kindle a relationship with God through Christ because you realize he is the way to intimacy with my heavenly father. Here's the last thing. When God collided with man, it was the collision of God. It was this collision of God and man. And it, it's God's offer of salvation. It's God's offer of salvation. That God has extended his hand. Listen, when God came to earth, it wasn't like an atomic bomb coming and going off to kill everybody. It was God coming and going, listen, you're stuck in something you can't get out of. You're facing a, a chasm. You're facing something you can't get across. Now here's my hand. If you will take it, if you'll accept what I've done for you, if you'll trust in me, then I can get you across this this chasm. I can help you across this ditch that your sin has created. That's an awesome God. I remember last year we went snow skiing. I, I was asked to go and speak on this youth trip. And so we got to take a, a pretty cheap ski trip. That was nice. Um, and so we went skiing and I spoke up there. But I had a three-year-old at the time and a, a seven-year-old at the time. Yeah, he had already turned seven. And my seven-year-old had learned how to ski pretty good. But my three-year-old, he was clueless, right? He'd never been on a pair of skis. I'm like, if I let go of him, he's going to go off the mountain or something. Because he, he had no control over anything that was going on in, 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 with his skis. And so what I did was I took my pole and I would spread my legs like this and I would snow plow, you know, make the pizza, the pie, the thing. And I would snow plow and I would hold my pole down in front of me and he would hold on to the pole. And man, we skied all over the place with him holding on to the pole. And you know, he did just fine until he did what? Let go of the pole. And then it was like he would fall, I would fall. I felt like I crumpled him up like a potato chip because I would just, all my weight would come down on him. And he was three and he would be crying and I'm just crying and it was just a mess. But 
But the deal was, man, as long as he held on to the pole, he was okay. And I wonder how many of us in here tonight could recognize that God has extended this pole, so to speak, to us. He's given us this, this opportunity to grab hold of him and hold on. But see, here's the thing we've got to realize. In order to do that, we've got to trust him more than we trust ourselves. Listen to what John the Baptist said in verse 20. Listen to this. It says, he did not fail to confess, but confess freely, I am not the Christ. How different would your life look if you realize I'm not the Savior? How different would your life look if you realize no amount of money in the world can save my soul? How would it look different if instead of thinking that your life with God was about trying to stack more good chips on one side than the bad chips on the other, and you realize that when Jesus came and he died on the cross from you, that through faith in him, the chips are gone and you stand in his righteousness. How different would that look for you in your life? How different would that look for me in my life? It would be amazing if I realized that God is in control. And even when I think I'm in control, I'm not. If I would just take his hand and hold tight to him, allow him to lead and guide and be the Lord of my life. How different would your life look? How different would it be? See, Jesus was and is God's offer of salvation. Jesus was and is God's attempt to bring us to himself. Jesus took the condemnation that we deserved and turned it into an opportunity for you to experience God's grace. He took the condemnation that you and I deserve because of our sin, which we've all had, and turned it into an opportunity to experience God's grace and understand who he is. That is absolutely incredible. Tonight before the service, I was sitting in my office and I was just sitting there. And I was like, God, I just want to meditate on how good you've been to me. I just want to think about all the blessings you've put into my life. And, and I just began to reflect on where I was before I met Christ and where God's brought me to and the work he's still trying to do in my life and, and, and just trying to yield to him. I thought about all the blessings he's placed there. And, and I just began to be overwhelmed by the goodness of God and the grace of God. But, you know, I never would have experienced the grace of God had I not come to a place where I would take the hand that God had extended to me. And tonight, I'm saying, I'm not going to make an apology, but I'm not going to hide the fact that I hope some of you tonight will take that hand. I hope some of you tonight would feel the, the, the hand of a holy God knocking on your heart. And that you would open that door and allow him to come in and be the Lord of your life and enter into this incredible intimate relationship with God the Father that he came and died for you to have. This is what I want to do. I, I want to ask you right now, where are you with God? Are you holding his hand? Are you, are, are you holding on to the pole? Is he the Lord of your life? Do you know where you're going when this life's over? I was thinking about people I know today who I was thinking about who, who are older than me and, and who will probably pass before me. None of us really know, but I was thinking about them and I was thinking about how there's, there's so much more to life than what we see here. Are you ready for that? Are you ready to step into eternity? Where are you with God? Did you take his hand or have you turned your back to it? Have you thumbed your nose at a holy God and walked away from him? A God that died so you could be made right and put into a right relationship with him. This is what I want to do. I want to take about 30 seconds. 
We're going to be quiet and, and silence is awkward, I know. But I'm going to ask you to do this. Ask yourself this one question tonight. Where am I with God? Am I in a right relationship with Him? Or do I need to take His hand today and allow Him to be the Lord of my life? Let's just take about 30 seconds. I want you to answer that question. Where am I with God?